to Faith, Love, and Therapy, a podcast to encourage and inspire. I'm your host, Jamie Johnson. I'm a clinical social worker working in the field of mental health for the last 10 years. Thank you for joining me as we peel back the layers of mental health from a faith perspective. Connect with me on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Faith, Love, and Therapy Podcast. On YouTube, it's under Faith, Love, and Therapy. And then you can even send me an email at faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. I look forward to connecting with you. Ask a question. Um, send me a message. I look forward to just responding and ta- talking to you. So hopefully you've caught the last episode. Um, episode before that was a bit about my healing journey. Um, today, today I just want to follow up and kind of tie these episodes together because we've been on healing for a bit. And so I think it's an important topic. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that as believers because not healing. I think we definitely talk about healing. We definitely want healing. We, we definitely pray for healing. Um, but I think what we lose sight of is our role in that particular journey. Um, and we think that mental health or therapy is not necessarily a part of that. And I've struggled with that mindset for, for a while um, because I've literally had many clients who are either um, – you know, long, long members and, and believers in, in Christ. They've, you know, been in the church since they, since they were children um, that are in therapy and they're struggling. And I've had so many clients and it breaks my heart because I've had so many clients that um, it took them a while to come in because their spiritual leaders were not healthy and their spiritual leaders were teaching them things that um, really kept them bound, um, kept them really being controlled by those particular leaders. And so um, I have so many clients who have to walk, who I I don't mind walking with through this process, but I'm walking them from a space of feeling condemned because they experience uh, depression or they experience anxiety um, or they feel like they shouldn't need to be here because God does all things well. and when I, when they sit in the chair, I don't challenge that at all because God does do all things well. Um, but I think our understanding of the father sometimes is distorted because he literally says that he desires for us to be the hands and feet. And so that implies that there's some work. <laughs> it doesn't imp- imply that everything will be, <clears throat> excuse me, this moment of miraculous, um, we wake up and we're healed. Can he do it? Absolutely. But even when we look at the example of the father, he spent years kind of cultivating this relationship with disciples to help them to see him authentically. But not only that, he wanted them to see themselves authentically. And so he is the example. He walked them through their different issues you know, he loved them through their issues. He counseled them, he taught them and he healed them. And so when the father went to be, you know, in heaven and he left his Holy Spirit, he also left us with the ability to do some of the same things for the people in the earth. And so when believers don't have a good understanding of their ability through Christ to walk other people through, um, this journey from darkness to light. Um, sometimes we're waiting, we're waiting, we're telling people, you know, pray about it. God's going to do it. Yes. Pray about it. 
God is going to do it. He's going to do it in his time and he's going to do it in his way. And his way many times will include other people. And so I don't know why we got to the space of thinking other people would only be people that are sitting next to us in the pew versus doctors, lawyers, teachers, therapists, people that God will use in order to help us navigate this journey. And so one of the things that, you know, that I talked about last episode was about being anchored because if not, we, we lose ourself. And when we lose ourself, we're operating from a place that's inauthentic, that's unhealthy. And so I wanted to just talk a little bit about the things that you might see or may manifest as a result of losing yourself. And so one of the things I've noticed, and I've specifically noticed this um, in church, I've noticed this a lot in church, but there is such a resistance to change. When we lose ourselves, when we're not anchored, there's such a resistance to change. And I sit with this often because I'm trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out like, why, why do we wrestle with this? Like why change is inevitable in my mind. Like it's, it's going to happen. (laughs) The seasons change. We change. We don't look the same. Like our bodies aren't the same. I'm, I'm confused at times, like why we are so resistant to change. And one of the things I've noticed specifically in the church is that the church has given and I choose my words because you all know that I, I love um, the church and I love God's people. Um, but I also recognize that there has been some issues in the church. Um, and so, but the church, for some, it's given them a false sense of identity. And I say that because there was such a attachment to positions and to title and to tradition and to what is familiar within the church that it may it made things so difficult continues to make things so difficult for change um, to happen and God wants to move through the church he wants to move through the body of Christ and if we are resistant if we are holding on to a title or if we're holding on to something that is routine within the church, we are not allowing God to move freely. And so I've noticed when we don't quite feel rooted in who we are and who we are in Christ, we hold on to what, who, what people say that we are. So, um, if I am the chair of this particular committee that gives me power, where I don't feel power anywhere else, I feel power in this position. And so I come into the church and I operate from a place of, um, of power that is not godly, but it's more on the basis of control. And so because there's no sense of who I am outside of this church, when I get in here and I get a title, I lose myself even more. I operate from a place that is my mindset, not God's mindset, not the word of God. So losing yourself can lead to being so resistant to change because you don't want to lose the grip that you have on what you think you're in control of. And I've said many times before, control is such an illusion. You know, it's it we desire it so much. But if we really think about it, what are we truly in complete control of? At any moment, things could change. 
Um, Another thing that I've noticed is we operate from a place of fear and it's often because we're thinking of the things that we're going to lose. What am I going to lose? What am I going to lose? If I, you know, if I start to deal with my issues, what will I lose? If I go to therapy, what will I lose? If I tell someone that I'm struggling, what will I lose? If I start to really change my mindset and do things the way that God wants me to do them and not the way the world wants me to do them, what will I lose? I'm always, we're always thinking about what we may lose because we want to feel that sense of control. But oftentimes when we let go, God restores in such a mighty way. He blesses in such a mighty way. You know, when we think about um, when Jesus was starting his ministry and he's meeting these different disciples along the way, many of the times he tells them to, to leave your stuff, leave all of that and come follow me. Are you willing to leave that and come follow me? Are you willing to let go of that particular mindset and trust that I know what's best for you? Are you willing to let go of that particular title and trust that what I have for you is greater than that title? Are you willing to let go of the past and understand that your future, if you allow me to be in it, is so much greater? There is is this fear that grips us because we don't want to lose. But 99% of the time, when we do not let go, if we look around, everything that we could have had dies away. And we lose so much more than what we could have had because we think that loss is going to is going to be the thing that breaks us when it's really the breakthrough that we actually need. It's really the door to something greater. When we let go of that fear, when we try to hold things tight, you know, when you think about like holding um, – I think when you go to the, the zoo and you try to hold those little, um, I don't think you can do that anymore, but when you're trying to hold the little, the little duck or the little, these little animals, they squirm. Like they don't want to be restricted. And so when we're trying to hold on to things that are temporary, you know, there's this discomfort. There's this, there's this anxiety. There's the, the issues start to rise because it does not feel right because we were never t- designed to hold on to the things of this world as if it was our only because greater is greater is coming. So why are we trying to hold on to these things? So when we, you know, when we lose ourselves, we operate from a fear a place of fear, and fear is so much attached to that fear of what I'm going to lose, what what's lacking. Another thing I notice um what losing ourselves also leads to is terrible boundaries. <laughs> terrible boundaries. I'm I'm a victim of terrible boundaries. Like just that people pleasing mentality is a issue with boundaries. If you are a people pleaser, don't think you don't have issues with boundaries because you don't like, I mean, you do, you're, you're bound, you don't have good boundaries if you're a people pleaser. Um, because we're so focused on what will they say? How will they view me? Um, I can't be mean. I can't say no. I, I have to like it, it. There's such maladaptive thinking that it keeps us from setting healthy boundaries. And I'm reading this um, this book, and I'm hoping I'm gonna reach out to the author. I just put that in the world, so I guess I have to do it now. Um, it's it's <laughs> it's an amazing book on boundaries um, that I'm reading, and I think I want to do some episodes on it as well. Hopefully, I can connect with her. And she's also a therapist. Um, 
But it is so eye-opening when you start to see what healthy boundaries really means to like have healthy boundaries. Um, it's not just what people think in the sense of like just saying yes or no, but like boundaries need to be present in every area of our life. And I think one of the other things that I see in the church is because there's such this dynamic um, that is very codependent in ways. Mm, yes. And there is this push to not necessarily have good boundaries because they want you to give of yourself. And while there is a spiritual connection to giving of yourself, it is not the same as turning yourself over to someone for them to do whatever they want to with. So we, you can pour, but you don't give them the whole jug. And I think, I think in the church, sometimes there's this dialogue of, um, really celebrating people who are willing to give it all. And we don't really tap into what did you lose when you gave all of that? You know, what are you, what are you saving for yourself? What are you saving for your time with God? What are you saving for your family? What are you saving for your children? No, they're sacrificing. They're here at church every day They're And we're, we're applauding that we're applauding that. But if we were to, op- if we were to look behind the scenes of that person who's giving everything they are struggling because how can they be giving to any other area of their life if they are pouring everything into church? Their boundaries are poor. And in the church, we often say that that person is, is um, truly faithful. Bless the faithful ones, but the truly faithful ones need to have good boundaries. So that is something that losing yourself, you lose the sense of healthy boundaries and you you allow yourself to be you allow yourself to be controlled in ways or used in ways that are not healthy and, and, and not something that God desires from you. The other thing that I see when we lose ourselves is that depression and anxiety set in. When I say the number of people that come in with depression and or anxiety and we start doing therapy, if I ask a question that is similar to who are you, I mean, they're crickets. There are crickets. And trying to dig into when they feel like they lost themselves, many of them can ch- many of them can go back to a space where they feel like they lost themselves. But there are so many who never really knew themselves. And so now it's really just hitting them at the stage of life that they're in because they need to be rooted in something. And because they are... S- they're so lost in the sense of um, how they're feeling, but then not being able to connect with who they are. There's nothing that keeps them tethered. There's nothing that keeps them anchored. Um, And so depressed mood sets in. They're not eating. They're not sleeping well. uh, They lack interest in the things that they used to do. And one of the the things that I ask um, some of the clients to do, especially those that have depression, um, and this is an exercise that came from um, a book I read years ago, I ask them to pretend that depression has a voice. Pretend that depression is a person that's sitting next to you in the chair. And what would depression tell you if you asked it why it was here? Ask depression why it's here. And for some, they connect with that right away. Others are kind of like, that's weird. But it's a visual. It's a visual to help that person connect with what's going on in them. And there's so many times where they see depression sitting next to them and depression is, is lost. Depression is there because they are lost. 
and they have not connected to who they truly are. And so they have been hiding or they have been hidden due to trauma or other experiences. And that has left them in this place of depression. I always feel like I have to, to say this. We all know that there are chemical things that you know create depression and anxiety. It's not always this particular issue. But in this episode, I want you to understand that not know, knowing who you are, not being anchored, losing yourself can send you to a place of depression. It can also send you into a space of anxiety and it can send you there because you're so unsure. You're questioning every area of your life. You are looking for validation. You are looking for answers. You are looking for someone to fix it. You are looking for a reason. You are fearful of the future. And if you are anchored in who you are, then there's a certain level of trust that, um, that I guess my, my favorite scripture, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. When you are connected to who you are, when you are rooted, you, there's no need to fear. Not to say we aren't going to have moments that we're start, we're, we're nervous or we're fearful, but there's no reason to live in fear and anxiety because we're going to trust that the future is in the hands of the father. But we lose sight of that because we lose sight of ourselves. God wants to reveal himself. He wants us to have revelation of who he is so that we can then have revelation of who we are. They are always connected. Sometimes we read the word of God and we're like, God is so great. God is so wonderful. But we have to understand that we are his child. We are heir. Like we are heir to the throne. We are in the family. So if if he's these things, if, if this is who he is and this is who he says I am, what am I worried about? What am I fearful about? What? Why am I depressed that this relationship didn't work? Why am I depressed that this job didn't you know, work out? Because he has something in store for me. I have to trust that he has something in store for me. Um, and so that anxiety and that depression has no need to be present because I'm trusting that all things will work for the good. I'm trusting that all things will work in every area of my life. And the last area that I see uh, when we, we don't have a good sense of who we are, when we lose ourselves, we are terrible in relationships, y'all. Relationships, when we don't know who we are, we are terrible in relationships. And I don't mean in like we're mean or we're, but we, the number of relational issues um, that, that come up and that people are, um, you know, talking about in therapy. If you take both members of that couple and you have a conversation with them and you ask them how authentic they're living, if you ask them how authentic they are with, with themselves, with the people around them, nine times out of 10, they're not a hundred percent authentic. There's something there's some area. They may be strong in the career area, but when it comes to talking about intimacy, they're lying. They may be they may be great with support, but when it comes to talking about finances, they're hiding. There's some space where it's hard to be authentic. And so it, they're bumping heads because something's not right. Something's not coming together. And so when we, when we lose parts of ourselves, when we are fearful, when we are unsure, we are not authentic in our living because in, in our relationships, if I am authentic and, and solid in who I am, when I enter a relationship, that person should not change 
let me take that back. That person should not shift what is authentically me. Will some things change? Yes, because I believe relationships are that kind of uh, process where God wants to do a work in both of us. Um, But there are some things that show up in relationships when we are not living authentically. And when we're not living authentically, it's because we have lost sight of who we are and whose we are. So I think that there is a um, important process that has to occur when it comes to your healing, when it comes to your living. And um, I gave you a journal exercise last time. I hope you did it. This time I want you to open your journal and I want you to put at the top of the page, what is authentically me? What is authentically me? And, and when you make that list, don't do it from any, you know, certain, just authentically me, what you think is authentically you. And then I want you to open the word of God and I want you to look for who he says we are, who he says his children are, what his children look like, what they do, how they live. And when you look at the things that you put on your list, do they line up with what he says? Or are there some things that you need to address and add to your list? Are there some things that you need to change? Are there some things that maybe you kind of, um, kind of put to the side because you felt you were unsure about what are, what are the things that are not authentic that you're doing or the space that you're living from that's not authentic. I want you to really look at yourself. I want you to challenge yourself to be better. And in order to be better, you have to be willing to look at the stuff that is ugly. And so if there's, what is authentically, what is authentic about me? Second page, what is inauthentic about me? What am I, what am I faking? What am I insecure about? How am I showing up in ways that are not truly authentic? And then really do some deep diving into why you're doing that, why, why you're in that space, how you got there. Um, this is a good exercise to complete and then make an appointment to see your therapist because there's some things to really talk about and process 100% all the time. There's something that'll be good to process with this particular journal prompt. So I'm going to leave that with y'all. I really want you to dive into this authentic space because I think in order to truly have a healthy relationship, a healthy mindset, we have to know who we are. We have to be anchored. Um, and if we lose ourselves, we're losing so much more than anyone could really give back. So take time to work on yourself this week. I thank you for joining me on another episode of Faith, Love, and Therapy, and I will see you next time.